0: to celebrate who you are and all the things that you have done for us, God. Lord, we give you praise, Lord, because you are worthy of it. No matter if we've had a good day or a bad day, you are worthy. And Lord, I'm just thankful for, Lord, as we pro- proclaim, Lord, to you, I know you're listening. God, as we proclaim what we believe in our hearts, Lord, I pray we would it would solidify that in our heart, God, that we would be so so thankful and founded on what we believe as Christians, God, that we can go forth and just know that every day, Lord, that you are with us, that you are for us. God, that we can walk on your truths and not look back, Lord, because we are never forsaken. You are always with us. Be with us this morning as we're gathered together in your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Go ahead and grab a seat. And while you're grabbing a seat, look for your Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can look in the pew right there around you, and you'll see right there in the pew around you a Bible that says the story on top of it. If you need a Bible, um, you don't have one at home, we'd love for that to be our Christmas gift to you. Uh, and so what I would recommend that you do when you get home with that is, is the, there's a few pages in the front that are printed in color. And I would recommend you take those pages printed in color when you get home and read through those. Those will help you understand kind of what we believe the grand story of the gospel is all about. Uh, and so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 this morning looking at the advent of Christ. This is Advent season, the first Sunday of Advent. So again, look at your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. It's a great time of year, even though it doesn't feel like it outside. It is a wonderful time of year where we take uh, an intentional focus and celebrate the coming, the incarnation of Christ, and look forward to His coming again. Uh, And so we here at Redemption Church, we believe, we are convinced that we exist to redeem the church, capital C Church, and the community with the gospel by making disciples. Uh, and so one of the ways that we love to do that is with our children. And so right now, your kids are uh, in the hideout, or if they're not, you your younger kids, you're welcome to take them in there to the hideout. And they're learning today the same things that we're learning. On the first and third Sunday of every month, they're in there, and second, fourth, and fifth, they're in here with us. And we try to keep them on track with what we're learning. And look, the reason we do that is because we believe that one of the, the greatest callings to make disciples for you is in your home. And we want to do everything we can to equip you to do that. And so I'm going to go ahead and give you a question to converse with your kids about. I have a little insight. My wife is leading in the hideout today. So I have a little insight on exactly what's going on in there. And so when you get home with your kids, here's what you need to ask them is, can you help me understand the gospel using a candy cane? And they'll be using a candy cane. They'll be talking about the same parts of the beginning of, of Genesis chapter 3 and uh, 1 to 3. And, uh, but they're going to they're gonna use a candy cane to kind of talk about the gospel a little bit. And so when you get home, have a, have a conversation with your kids. If they don't remember it, that means they weren't paying attention. Or we're not going to say it was my wife did a bad job because we're just not going to say that. So we're going to say that it was, it was something that they didn't remember, but she had communicated it perfectly, I'm sure. Uh, and so that's a great thing for you to talk to your kids about whenever you get home today. We have this year intentionally been spending a lot of time in the Old Testament. And, um, and we've been looking at kind of how the Old Testament points to Christ. And so as, as, as we start Advent, I wanted to start kind of at the beginning. If you look throughout the Old Testament, God spoke to his people about the promise Uh, of a Messiah, the promise of Advent, and he gave them things to watch for in order to recognize the Savior's coming. I wanted to list a few for you. God revealed that the Messiah would be born in the line of David in Isaiah chapter 9, of the tribe of Judah in Genesis 49, verse 10, and in the town of Bethlehem in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that he would be a man of sorrows, crushed, despised and rejected, justifying many through what he suffered. In Isaiah 53, that he would be the promised deliverer that would be a light overcoming darkness. In Isaiah 9, again, chapter, 2, chapter 9, verse 2, a preacher of good news to the poor, Isaiah 61, and one walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 42, 1, there were hints and shadows of him all over the Old Testament, as we've discussed a lot this year. And often in our minds, the story of Advent starts in a manger. But in reality, it begins in a garden. It begins right here in Genesis chapter 3. We see the beginning of Advent today. Everything was going amazing in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. As a matter of fact, God continually would say, and it was good, and it was good. And, And then everything kind of falls apart. And Genesis chapter 3. It was going great until it wasn't. There was one major problem, a problem that is carried on to today. It's still our problem. It's it's the reason that we need Advent. See, shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace, for rhythm, for everything falling in place, that we see in Genesis chapter 1. We see it in Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that shalom was shattered. We see that the creation that God had made was thrown into chaos. We see that the fellowship they had with God was now fractured. Advent is from a Latin word that means coming and, or arrival, and it refers to the coming of Christ. It is the celebration of Jesus Christ coming to earth in the first advent, and it's our anticipation of his coming in the second. Our, our waiting in that moment in between, though, isn't just a moment in between moments. But this is the time that God has given you. This is the time that God has given us to grow us and shape us into the people that he has created us to be. And so, as we look at it today, we'll look at this idea that God's promise, you'll see at the top of your bulletin, God's promise to redeem humanity is your only hope today and every day. Amen? So if you would stand with me as we read God's word, we're going to read the first 15 verses of Genesis chapter 3 together. It'll be on the screen as well for you to follow if you don't have your Bible. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say to you, you shall not eat of any of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and the dust you shall eat in all the days of your life. And there's our, this is our focus verse for today. I, God, will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring and he shall bruise your head And you shall bruise his heel. You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. God, I'm asking that as we look at your word today, that, uh, Lord, you would be so gracious as to use a broken vessel like me. Lord, I am inadequate to clearly communicate the power of your word. Lord, I'm asking that it would be your, your word that, that would really push in and make a difference in our hearts. Lord, that we would push past the familiarity of this story. And Lord, that we would see clearly that you are our only hope today and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to start off, if you got your bulletin there, with one problem. One problem. See, there's a reason Advent is necessary. See, Christmas is cute and it's great and it's pretty. We love to decorate with lights, but we forget that the reason we decorate with lights is because it starts with darkness. All right, see, you, you can't disconnect. Genesis 3, from everything else is going on, it's a connected narrative. There's even like some, some literary hints to that. There's a, there's a rhyming there. I, I'm, look, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit of a theological nerd, and so this may not be interesting at all, but I have the microphone, and so I'm going to say it, and, and I'm going to talk to you about it. I think it's interesting. At the end of Genesis chapter 2, uh, it, it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Everybody say naked. When you said naked, that means naked and up to no good. But everyone was naked. The Hebrew word there rhymes intentionally with, starting in verse, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. Everybody say crafty. You didn't know it, but naked and crafty rhyme. They intentionally rhymed. They were words chosen to connect the narrative of the story and how it continues on and how it was was the the awareness of the nakedness of of them that the serpent brings them to. And it's the awareness of their shame and their sin. So there's a problem. There's a significant problem. And, And this is why Advent is here. Look at the first seven verses again. I'm going to read them again to you. That when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And they forgot they already were. They already were very much like God. Knowing good and evil. So when woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, it was a good looking fruit. We always say it's an apple. We don't know what it was and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. See, the, the, the devil, the deceiver, the murderer, as it's told to us, it says that he was a murderer from the beginning. He starts with this question of, did, did God actually say... Isn't that, isn't that the same way he trips us up all the time? See, it was Mark Twain who said, uh, it's, I've said this before, but I love this quote. He said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. See, many of us in here, not all of us, but many of us in here grew up in church, going a lot. We've been here enough that, that we, we we know what it is kind of, the basic will of God, and we always ask, Well, I don't know what the will of God for my life is. Is it that I'm supposed to go here or this direction or do this or do that? And we we have these questions, and and yeah, on the particulars, maybe there's some uncertainty there, but let's start with following what we know the will of God is. And and it's our nature to try to find a loophole. Did God did God actually say? And so she says, and he and he twists it, right? Did God actually say that you couldn't eat any of this fruit? No, 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 he said we could eat the fruit. There was just one tree. There's one tree that he said, don't, don't eat it, don't even touch it, lest we shall die. It's just, it really comes down to this idea of thinking that we're smarter than God. That's what this basically comes down to. See, it sounds like this is a mild form of disobedience, but there's nothing mild about this disobedience, for it's looking at the God of the universe that created everything, that holds the whole world in his hands and going, nope, I'm smarter. I know that you created everything. I know that you were the one, Chris did such a great job last week of taking us through Colossians chapter 1 and seeing that God was sovereign and supreme over creation, which makes him sufficient in our lives. And we're going, yeah, I know that, but I'm pretty sure i got a better plan than you do. I mean, did you actually say that I couldn't do that? I mean, I didn't see anywhere that it said anything about that. And we love to find these loopholes. And so what do they do? Same thing we do. They sewed fig leaves together and hid from God. It Seems to be our answer to our problem as well, doesn't it? When we fall, it seems like initially the last thing we want to do is turn to God. What I hope you'll see today is if we truly understand the grace of the gospel, it'll be the first place we turn. Because we know that's where we'll find healing. It's no, we'll know that that's where hope is. That hope isn't in anything else. That there's no hope in hiding ourselves. There's no hope in, in not having God intervene into our lives. The only hope for our sin, the only hope for our fallenness, is that God would intervene. And rather than hide from Him and sow fig leaves together, we should come before Him as vulnerable as we possibly can. So God warned them, Eating from this tree would mean death. Now, many of you know that my bachelor's degree is in uh, theater. And I focused, my wife is as well. And uh, if you're a a perceptive person, you may figure out that that's why mine's in theater. Because I met her and didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And that's just where she was. And so it made sense. So I studied uh, design for set design. I studied directing. And there's a, there's a principle in playwriting and directing called Chekhov's gun. Uh, Anton Chekhov was a, was a well-known playwright. And, and Chekhov, if he, he, he always said, if you put a gun in the first act, then it better be used by the third act. So if you think about it, if you're watching a TV show, they still, Chekhov's gun still kind of applies a lot in movies and TVs these days. If you see like this, this instrument of, of death, you see something in the beginning of a movie or, or a TV show or a play, then you have a pretty good guess that before the play's over, it's going to be used at some point. And so when when we hear God tell them that, that if you eat of this tree, then you will surely die, there's kind of a Chekhov's gun principle here that death would come. But I want you to see is there is a tree in the first act. And praise be to God, a tree would be used in such a bittersweet way of the gospel of Jesus going, hanging on a tree on the cross one day. And that promise comes in that that death would come it doesn't come immediately for them, right? It doesn't come immediately. There's a, there's a death of soul and spirit, but death doesn't come immediately for them, but it does come to all humankind. But that tree in the first act, in Genesis chapter 3, we see it come back in John chapter 3. And we see Jesus redeem us through that. The climax of the cross God loves us so much, though so that he doesn't leave us in the problem, which is the beauty of that. There's not only one problem, we see that, we see that advent we see that advent is necessary because humanity failed to sin and needed to be saved from death. So Advent's wonderful. It's great. It's, it's, it makes for great decorations and it makes for a fun season and it makes for a way just to have a fun time when it gets dark so quickly and, and we love to put lights on the house and those sorts of things. And But Advent is necessary because humanity, because man fell into sin and needed to be saved from death. But there's not just one problem. There is just one God. Look at verses 8 through 13. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He's not asking because he doesn't know. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said... Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Again, he knew the answer. And the man said, and he throws it off. There's a lot of chuckles when we read this initially. He throws it off immediately. Now that woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. Yet when we go to Romans chapter 5, when Paul brings down, who does he blame? Does he blame Eve or does he blame Adam? He blames Adam. He says, through one man, through one man, sin came into the earth. Men, listen to me. The sin of passivity has been our primary problem since our first father. You want to know why our country is in the state that it is in? You want to know, know why the American church is in the state that it's in? I think largely it's due to the passivity of men. It's our passivity and not leading at home and not leading our wives and not leading our children and not leading in our, our, our work in, in a godly way and not being a godly example and a light of the gospel into the darkness. That we, we will settle, men, we'll settle for just being a decent man that goes to church and doesn't lie. We'll settle for just being a decent man who doesn't cheat on his wife and and just goes a normal good path that provides for his family and does enough when what God has called us to be is ambassadors for his grace, ministers of reconciliation, workers in his army, men. He has called us to step up and lead in a godly way. Do not fall into the same passivity that Adam did. It'll be a fight for the rest of your life, man. It will. And you will fail. You will fail. But keep pursuing godliness in your life. The man said, the woman who you gave me to be with, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Advent is necessary because man fell to sin and needed to be saved from death. But Advent is possible because God sent Jesus as our Messiah and mediator for our sins. The beautiful part about this passage that I want you to see is that God pursues us. God pursues us right it's not that god doesn't ask these questions cuz he didn't know right and here here when we get to this part there's a there's another there's a danger here right just like there's the chekhov's gun principle that helps you predict or foreshadow kind of what's going to happen in 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 a in a drama there's another problem uh there there's another problem of when of prequels right there you know, they have these series of movies and they bring a prequel that comes before the movie. And, and that's cool. But here's here's the problem. it's a little bit of a spoiler alert. Like the tension of is the hero going to die isn't there. Right? When you, when you go to watch a prequel of one of your favorite movies like you, because you know what the story is after that, you kind of know... This guy's not gonna die in this movie and they'll try to raise this tension of the hero being in this bad situation and is he gonna make it out? And it's hard almost to buy fully into that moment because you know the end of the story. You know because otherwise there wouldn't have been the first movie that you saw. And see, we've heard the Christmas story so much. And I want you to know this is why I choose to, to really observe Advent season. And we're going to preach through Christmas the whole month of December. And there's a party to go, man, I've heard this story so much. Man, don't hammer this thing to death. Hey, here, here, listen, don't let the fact that you know how the story ends make you miss what's going on here. You know, People love to argue that, well, Christmas has is, is got pagan roots. And it's in solstice, and it's in this, and it's in that. and You know what? To a degree, they're right. I can't argue with, with you historically on a lot of that, but here's what I want to tell you. If, if, if the world, as a, as a majority right now, is going to take an opportunity to, to just glance in the direction of Jesus at all, in the birth of Christ right the world is taking an opportunity to glance in that direction should we not gaze should we not take this opportunity and meditate and be still and know that he is God wouldn't be still be a great definition of your christmas time when so often it's hustle and bustle and 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 it's so busy and it's gifts here and gifts there and parties here and parties there and and, and I think there's a great benefit if we'll ignore the fact that there's a spoiler alert, not that we have to suspend belief, but just take a moment and and not let that ruin this and focus on the, the power of God pursuing His people. This is an unbelievable moment that we're looking to where God Himself comes to earth as a baby so that he can defeat death and you can have a relationship with him. Simon Tugwell, in his book, Prayer, Living with God, says, so long as we imagine it is we who have to look for God, we must often lose heart. We most often lose heart, but it is the other way about. He is looking for us. This is, not, this is not us chasing Jesus. This is Jesus chasing us in the midst of our sins. So why does he say, where are you? Why does he say, well, did you eat of that tree I told you not to eat of? It's because he's pursuing. Because it's not robotic. He doesn't just snap his fingers and make you repent. See, Jesus knows that we're not very good at following directions. And Jesus knows that he's got he's to bring us on a little bit. And Jesus lovingly pursues us. I don't know your story of salvation. I know mine. And I know mine wasn't in an instant. Mine was a process of God lovingly and patiently pursuing me. Last week, Pastor Chris showed us that God is reconciling all things back to himself in Colossians 1, making peace by the blood of the cross. As God pursues us, he pursues us to reconcile us back to him, to bring that brokenness back to him, that relationship. When we, in turn, are not passive, man and woman, and we live out the call that God has given us, And we go and tell others about him when we love God so much and love his church, capital C Church, so much. And we love people so much that we go and tell people about the reconciling story of Jesus Christ, him coming to earth and dying on a cross to pay for our sins and rising from the dead, defeating death so that we could be reconciled. When we do that, we follow in the very heartbeat of God himself. But God doesn't want to leave his people without hope. And now his plan is us. In the midst of people's sin, he gave them a promise. A promise that he would send a savior that would come and destroy sin, death, and Satan. And and one day, their deliverer would come to rescue them. And so we have one problem, we have one God, and we have one promise. We see that Advent is necessary because of our sin. We see that Advent is possible because of God, and we see now that Advent is celebrated because the story of the garden doesn't end with man's rebellion, but instead his redemption. Scholars refer to Genesis chapter three, verse 15 as the Proto Eangelian or the first gospel, from the first. Moment of our need to rescue, need for rescue God's promise was there as soon as we fell, as soon as we we fractured the fellowship as soon as Shalom was shattered, as soon as creation was sent into chaos, God was there with a promise god's promise was there he He addressed Adam and Eve and, and God turned to the serpent and announced that sin would not have the final say and that the schemes of the enemy would not prevail, the first promise of Advent was given to the serpent. You think you've won, but I'm coming back. The reason we celebrate Advent is because the story of the garden doesn't end with man's rebellion, but instead his redemption. In uh, in the hideout today, my wife is utilizing a resource that we use at our house called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, if you have kids, I highly recommend the Jesus Storybook Bible. It it takes a lot of the stories of the Old Testament, and especially, and 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 kind of like we've done this year, it helps point to how they are foreshadowing Jesus. and And I remember one day reading through part of the Jesus Storybook Bible, particularly this part of Genesis three, and um, to my kids, and there was this there was this phrase that. Man, it just stood out to me, and I've meditated on a lot since I read it initially years ago, and and I wanted to read it to you this morning. It'll be read to your kids as well, so this is a a great passage out of that for you to look at uh, with your kids. Before they left the garden, God whispered a promise to Adam and Eve. It will not always be so. I will come to rescue you. And when I do, I'm going to do battle against the snake. I'll get rid of the sin and the dark and the sadness that you let in here. I'm coming back for you. And he would. One day, God himself would come. Listen, that's the truth your kids are hearing today. That's the truth you're hearing today. It's a truth I don't want you to miss in Advent. It's a truth you probably already knew coming in here, but you've got to stop long enough to let the weight of it hit you, that our God loves us so much that he would pursue us even in the midst of his awareness of our nakedness. See, they weren't aware of their nakedness and shame until sin entered the world, and then all of a sudden, they're immediately aware of all their shame. And when we come to Jesus, it's difficult to truly come vulnerable because there is this shame, but what you need to know is that he already knows it. He already knows that shame and he, he loves you in the midst of your brokenness. He loves you and he wants to redeem you, which is why he came to earth in the first place. The news a few years back tells the story of a woman who would stop at nothing to get her missing dog back. She, she had several dogs, actually, and she had lost this one dog. And, and she did everything she could to, to find this dog. As a matter of fact, she went to such great lengths. I mean, she, she, she was a mobilizer, man. She got, she got the news involved. She got, like, rescue involved. She got the police involved. She, got, she had, like, a whole search party going after this dog. She eventually put up a $10,000 reward for this dog. She was not a wealthy woman. Now, of course, when she put up a $10,000 reward, all sorts of stuff started coming up about dogs that weren't people were trying to sell their dogs to her. Dogs that weren't even the right breed, didn't match the description at all, trying to get a hold of that $10,000. And as a matter of fact, she did end up getting the dog back. And you think about, you know, Jesus tells us later in, in the New Testament about, you know, a good father, if his son asks for bread, doesn't give him a rock, right? And, 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 if, and if we who are evil, if, if we who are evil, that's how God categorizes us, no better than to give a rock when asked for bread, then how much better is our good father in heaven, right? If, if this woman if this woman who is evil, I'm not saying that categorically of her, but categorically of us as human beings, if this woman who is, who is broken and a wretched sinner in desperate need of the grace of Jesus Christ, just like you and I, would, would go to such great lengths for her dog, how much more so would our loving Father, Creator God, go to for us? And He does. Right, he does, he does come back. That's the advent that he comes back and he comes back so vulnerable. He doesn't come back like we think he should come back. He doesn't come back announcing it through the high priest. We were talking about a study group this morning. Isn't it fascinating in Luke chapter one that the high priest gets silenced and the pregnant unmarried teenage girl is the only one who can speak it and who's gonna listen to her? Like this is the way that God chooses to come into the world God's promise, is, as we talked about before, God's promise to redeem humanity is your only hope today and every day. As we go through this whole process of advent, I want to encourage you to do a few things. I want to encourage you to, to one, follow Psalm 46:10 and find a way to be still. Be still this season. It's going to get busy you can going to have things to do. You're going to have family, shopping, cooking, parties, all those things. In the midst of that, every day, I want you to find a way to be still. The, the, the literal translation of that out of Psalm 46 is cease striving. And know that he is God. Amen? And, and so as you, as, you, as you do that part... So you've you got to find a way to be still, cease striving, stop trying to work so hard. So this isn't something for you to work hard at. If you're working hard at this, you're missing the point. The idea is to stop, to be still, to be quiet, to be silent, and just and meditate on the greatness of God. Our goal in the Advent series is not to... My goal here isn't to come up with some cool new information for you every week and some part of the Christmas story that you didn't know about. That may happen, but that's not the goal. The goal here isn't to to come up with new information every Christmas. The goal is just to remind us of the core truth. We got a problem. Our problem is called sin. Our sin is when we choose that we're smarter than God. When, When God has designed the world to work in a certain way and he's got shalom, peace, rhythm, perfection for you, nothing but blessedness, and we, just like Adam and Eve, go, I think I got a better idea. I'm gonna go this way. And that's sin. And that's every time, every single time, that's gonna lead to brokenness in your life. That's gonna lead to brokenness and then when we find ourselves in that brokenness, you know what we try to do? We try to find a way out of the brokenness and we do everything we can and we chase all these things. We chase either uh, popularity, security, fame, money, success, drugs, alcohol, sex, addictions. We, we chase all these things. We, we chase escapism through hours of Netflix and Facebook. We chase, we chase whatever we can to either get out of the brokenness or numb the brokenness. And all those pursuits lead to further brokenness. But there isn't just a problem. There is a beautiful gospel. There is a God. There's good news. There's good news that God pursues us, that God loves us. And so, yeah, he promised Adam and Eve that day that that wouldn't be the end of the story. And the tree in the first act becomes the tree in act three. Where we see Jesus down a cross to pay for our sins, and if we will repent of our sins, and believe in Jesus Christ, then we can be redeemed. And then, and only then, can we recover from our brokenness and start to pursue God's design for our life again. And we pursue that for the rest of our lives, not only in our lives, but to tell others. So this Advent, be still. And know that He is God. And listen, then tell somebody else. And don't, look, don't just tell them, Jesus is the reason for the season. It's a great statement. I love it. Right? Tell them the whole story. Tell them that there's a problem. Right? If we don't understand the problem, then we don't understand the promise. If we don't get the power and the depths of the problem of our brokenness, then we don't get the greatness and the grace of the promise. So tell them about the problem. Tell them that there's a problem in their life and it's called sin, but there is a God and a promise and that God promises that he will redeem us, that those who confess their sins and repent and turn to Jesus, he will be faithful to forgive and to redeem them and that we will one day no longer be separated. We will sit in shalom again and that one day he's coming back. Be still. Know that he is God. And then go tell somebody else the story of Advent. Because he is our only hope. God's promise to redeem humanity is your only hope today and every day. And it's also your neighbor's only hope. It's also your co-worker's only hope. It's also your family member's only hope. Take the opportunity to be still and then tell. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for this season where we get to be reminded of your coming. Lord, we also look forward to you coming again. Lord, I pray that you would move mightily in our hearts right now as we Meditate on that reality. Lord, let us respond in kind. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to take